Hello and welcome to Grace Life Duras. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray that this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. Hi everyone, uh, welcome back to our series on the nature and image of God. So if you have been listening to the first few ones, I'm sure that you're excited for the next one. If you haven't listened to the others, please do go and catch up as we are doing a whole series and the one builds on top of the other. Grab your notebook, a pen and your Bible and I'll pray for us. So Father, I want to thank you for this time together. I want to thank you for your word and I want to thank you that as we listen to your word, as we dig deeper, Father, that we're really going to see more and more of the reality of our faith come from the unseen world um, into the seen world where we can make God known because we know God. And we thank you for this. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So obviously, as I shared from the beginning, this is a difficult topic because it is something that lies so close to our hearts. And um, today I want to encourage you and challenge you to please listen um, and not switch off if you hear something that's challenging, but to hear me out. And um, not only that, but I promise you that I will get to the verses that might be difficult. I'm trying to first establish a concept. And if we can do that, then we can go back to the details and have a more careful look at the details of Scripture. Second to that, I also want to equip you, because if you can understand the true nature of God, it will equip you to self-study the verses that you don't understand through a completely different lens and that will set your life up to see greater fruitfulness as it did mine so the theme or topic for the day is god's will be done i'm sure you've heard it many times i'm sure people have said it to you in the country i live um, they say it all the time because i'm in a, a muslim country and so there's so many meanings that come with that small statement god's will be done and it can lead to lots of insecurity it can lead to lots of passiveness as we just surrender and it can also lead to a lot of things going wrong Um, and so even though we say it with the right heart sometimes we need to understand what is meant by this what is God's will and so as we look at this I'm going to use all of scripture um, meaning from the start to the finish not just New Testament to get us to see who is God and what's his will so last week we looked at Psalms and, and we looked at Psalms 102 verse 25 to 27 and a lot of other scriptures proving that God is the same. So in Psalms 102, 25 to 27, it says, In time of old you founded the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. Even they will perish, but you endure. All of them will wear out like a garment. Like clothing you will change them and they will pass away. But you are the same, and your years will not come to an end. In Psalms 90 verse 2, it says, Before the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. There's many more scriptures like this um, that says that God is the same. So, within God being the same, He does have a will. And because of the influence of man's will that is on the earth now um, being used for purposes that's not God's will, God's will has to change, although he stays the same. 
So just stay with me. If you go to Romans 12 verse 2, you are going to read a scripture that says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So what does that conform mean? It's like going into a mold. If you throw gold or you pour gold or silver into a mold, it becomes something different. But it's formed according to that mold. Okay, that's limited. But transformation is like when a butterfly goes into, um, when that worm becomes the butterfly. Okay, it is complete, it's a complete different thing. So God wants us to not conform to the things of the world, but be transformed like that butterfly, okay, by the renewing of your mind. So that means to think differently, think new about him. Because it says, so that the purpose of all of this is so that we may prove that is to taste something. And after you've tasted it, you can say, yes, it is as it is. That's what that word means. So if you taste something like a cola, you can say a Coca-Cola, you can say, oh, I've tasted it and I know it is Coca-Cola. That's what that word means. To prove the will of God, that it is good and acceptable and perfect. This scripture shows us that we need to renew our minds to God's will and that we need to settle in our hearts that it is good, it is acceptable, and it is perfect. But within that, or within that, we also need to accept that we have a will and the devil has a will. And those wills are competing against each other. And so many times in the scriptures, we see how God even God who stays the same, he has to change his plan or um, conform to a plan that is not his perfect will. Okay, I'm going to go through it. In the next teaching, we are going to go into it in great depth with some of the the accounts in the Bible. So we must start first by remembering that the first book in the Bible is written by Moses. In fact, the first five books. And when he wrote it, although Genesis starts with the beginning of creation, Moses is not there at the beginning. He is not writing the words being there. He is writing it anywhere between 1,200 and 1,500 years later. And now God is telling him to write it down. How is he writing it? Well, he's writing it through oral tradition, which is very strong back then. People didn't just forget stuff, but also through the divine inspiration of God, like the account of creation. And when he starts this beautiful written account of creation, it starts with, in the beginning, God. So we see that God was there. And what's the thing he is doing? Created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface. So from the beginning, we see that God has a purpose for asking Moses to write this down. Okay, God is not attempting to put every single detail down in this scripture or in this book about everything and everything about every detail of life. Because then just the account of Genesis, just creation itself, the creation of the man's body and the female body, the creation of the universe would take more than a book can hold. So he is he's got a specific purpose in writing this because now his people have already seen a lot of things and they've been introduced to a lot of false gods 
They just came out of Egypt. Now Moses is asked to write this down. Okay, They have had a lot of corrupt images of God and the nature of God. So when God is writing this, getting Moses to write this book, his heart is that he wants to get the message of salvation to his people. So he writes an accurate account. He writes the truth. But within that truth, there is a deeper reality that he's trying to communicate to his people. And one of it is that God is not a created thing. God was before creation was. And another thing is that in chaos, God brings order. God's spirit brings order. Doesn't that sound like the the whole reason that we are saved? Like in the darkness, you were darkness and God's spirit, God did something through Jesus. Now when God's spirit fills us, we become light. So there's a deeper meaning in writing all of this, although all of it is true. From the moment of the writing of the first line of Genesis, salvation was already needed on the earth. And so with that, a written document to show the holiness of God was needed. Remember, holiness means he is not like us. The fact that he is not like man and he is not like the other gods on the earth is the reason that this book is put together. It's to show that God is different, okay? And the different, the holiness of God, is the goodness of God, okay? So although God is the same, meaning that he is perfect, he changes not, he can operate in a will which is not his perfect will. Just like I am a mother, and uh, my name is Alicia, and I can set out to have a perfect family day where we are going to have a lot of fun we're going to go to the beach and it's going to be amazing however i also have two young children one two years old and one five years old and i have my husband and so there are other people's wills who are competing with my wills so my day might not work out the way i planned plus the weather could change so there's natural things that's also involved And therefore, my will is going to have to change. I'm going to have to adapt my will to what is happening because of others, other things that's taking place. The same thing with God. And I know that sounds crazy, but it's true. That doesn't mean God changes. It just means within him being the same, there are a lot of examples in scripture where he he has to operate in a will which is not his perfect will. Okay? In Romans 5 verse 12, it shows us that just as through one man's sin entered into the world, and death through sin, so death spread to all mankind, because all sinned. So, was sin God's will? Absolutely not. God is against sin. God is the creator of man. God is the creator of life, of all things good, and of purpose. Okay, We see this from the beginning. The creator of sin is man. Because of man's unbelief and his willful disobedience to God, because he didn't trust and believe God's goodness, he creates sin. And sin means we miss the mark, we wander from the path of righteousness, or even the path of honor. We miss the mark, okay? Sin, therefore, is the creator of man. And the problem with that is that sin is the creator of death, okay? 
But that's not God's perfect will. God's perfect will is not death and it is not sin. If it was, why would God say, do not eat of this tree? Then he would have left it. But he said from the beginning, this tree is here because you need, you have free will and you need to choose me. But I am giving you the tree of life. Go and eat of that tree, you know, I'm paraphrasing here. And yet man listens to the voice of the enemy, the devil, who we spoke about last week. And now a different will enters into the earth, the will of the enemy to kill, steal and destroy. And it is at work through the hearts of man who don't believe and trust in God. Now in Romans 6 verse 23, we have an interesting verse. It says, for the wages of sin is death, which we just saw, but the free gift of God I like the Amplified, that is his remarkable, overwhelming gift of grace to believers is eternal life in Jesus, in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we see that God is a giver of gifts. Free gift. Isn't that a beautiful way to say it? But the free gift of God is what? Life in Christ Jesus. But that didn't change when Jesus Christ came. That was always his will, was life. And it was always going to be a gift. We had to put our faith in there to receive the gift. But it was always going to be a gift. However, when you look at sin, we see that sin, the result of sin, is death. And it pays a wage. Do you see it? If you work for sin, sin will pay you back. You see, the reality is that God never turned his back on man. His will has always been to bring life and light, to bring purpose, to create, to be good, to such a degree that he would be completely not like man in his goodness, in his abundance, in his generosity, in his love, in his patience, in his kindness, in his gift giving of salvation to us. But there's another factor on the earth, and that is man's choice to not choose God's will. Okay? And so what we see is that every act of sin is rooted in unbelief in the goodness of God. If we really believe and trust the goodness of God as our Father, and as a good Father when we know Him, Sin loses all power and dominion in our life. The action of sin. At, born, at our born-again experience, the sin nature died. When you received Jesus, your sin nature came to an end. Now you have God's own spirit living inside of you. And he is alive in you. You've become a new creation. According to scripture, all things have passed away. All things have become new. Okay, But whenever there is this temptation or pull to sin, we need to awaken to the reality and see the goodness of God. And then we will lose complete interest in sin, okay? Because we will see it for what it really is. You know, no act of sin ever brings the image of God onto the earth. It never brings God's goodness to the earth, even if it looks like it could. Maybe in a situation you feel like you can lie or should lie to protect someone or something, but the reality is, when we sin uh, in action, it never brings glory to God. It never makes God's goodness seen on the earth. Okay? So do we believe with all of this that God is a righteous God? I hope you say yes. Do you believe that God is therefore also a righteous judge? 
So, how do we bring these things together in Scripture? Well, first of all, like I've said, God's goodness is holy. To see Him as a judge outside of Jesus' righteousness can leave us with an incomplete understanding. So yes, we do believe He is a judge, but we believe also with that He's a righteous judge. But we cannot just look at who He is like that outside of the eyes of Jesus because Jesus came from the very bosom of God, the very inner man, like inner person of God to explain God to us. Okay? So when we see God through the demonstration of Jesus at the cross, now we understand that his judgment is always for good, not for evil, and that he is totally and completely righteous in judging sin. He does not, you know, there's so many accounts where Jesus says to someone who just got healed, go and sin no more, okay? Or um, be careful not to sin so that something worse doesn't happen to you. He is, we read into that, be careful because God might do something worse to you. But the reality is Jesus is saying exactly what the scripture reveals in Romans. Sin will pay you back with death. That's why we don't want to sin. Our sin nature has been dealt with. Now, as we renew our mind and we become transformed into the image of who we are in our heart and the image of who God is as God and Lord, the power of sinful actions loses its ability to govern and rule over our lives. And we therefore carry the image of God into our world, into our lives, into our family lives, into our extended family lives, into our churches, into our communities, and into the world. Because actually, from the beginning, every one of us deserved to die because of disobedience to God. And that's difficult for our flesh to hear. We want to think there's something good in us. But the reality is, if we compare even our good works to the goodness of God, who is righteous, and holy and perfect and the good and perfectly righteous judge, he must judge that we all deserve to die. Okay? Because that is the result of sin. However, praise God, he is full of mercy and kindness as well. He is full of grace and truth. Look at Psalms 85 verse 10 to 12. Mercy and truth are made together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Truth shall spring out of the earth, and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Yea, the Lord shall give that which is good, and our land shall yield her increase. This is so important that we understand this, that we must bring it all together so that we can understand who God is, and that God is for his children, not against them. Okay? So, I'm going to summarize this by saying it like in this way. There are, I'm going to go back into scripture next week and we're going to go and look at specific accounts that's difficult for people to understand, okay? So, but for now, what we need to establish in our heart is that God is a good God. He is the same and he has a will. And his will is good, acceptable, and perfect. 
However, because of man's will and the devil who works through man, and the earth being broken as it is, God many times cannot operate in his perfect will because he has a plan, he has a purpose, but he is not a God who manipulates and he is not a God who does evil so good can come. That is something that belongs to man, but that is not who God is. And this will set you free. God does not do good, so evil, so good can come. So we're going to answer lots of questions about why does bad things happen to good people? Because people ask that. And why does good things happen to bad people and bad things to good people? Because the reality is, as long as we live in this world, it's always going to be corrupt. And none of us deserve good. Sin deserves to die because it doesn't ever bring the image of God onto the earth. Think to yourself, have you ever sinned, did something you shouldn't have done, or not did something you should have done, and you felt like, wow, that was awesome. That brought God's perfect will onto the earth. That brought someone God's goodness. That delivered someone, healed someone, did something for that person. Have you ever experienced that? No, because it's not in the nature of sin ever to bring God's image onto the earth. Okay, And therefore it deserves death. Not because God is standing there angry at sin, but because it's so contradictory to who he is in his nature. They cannot, darkness and light cannot go together. Okay, Now, just one of the examples, I'll try and give you a bit of clarity on one of the things that's difficult sometimes in scriptures. Is as we read the Old Testament, we will see that there's many examples of um, God saying, go and kill everyone, which can be difficult and challenging for us to see today. It is very simple to read that and to understand it if we keep this in mind. God... This book was not written in a few hundred years. If you were to travel back only 500 years and tell someone about the phone or the internet or electricity, they would think you are insane. They would not believe you and you would most probably be burned somewhere. And so in these stories, when we read these stories, we must not come thinking of the time as it is today. We have to realize that this was the time for war. And this is, you're talking about kings who lived 4,000 years ago, who were fighting in armies, okay? And to them, it was important that God is a warrior God. In that, those times, God had to be a warrior God. Yet God's perfect will is not for war. Have you seen what war does? Now, what is very important is to see also that in days of old, in those days, the kings would not just fight each other like man to man. These, these empires, these kingdoms would actually be representing their God. And they would be fighting God to God. Okay, It is a battle of gods. Now, if you go into war as a warrior, you need your God to show up. And because of the sinful state of man, God had every righteous right to, to destroy the life of man. The question is not, why doesn't he do it so much? The question is, why doesn't he destroy completely? Okay, so war is not the perfect will of God, okay? Although it happens, this is not God's base and this is not God's heart.
And so that should bring a bit of clarity on that. The good news is Jesus comes and he doesn't establish a new way of making war. Now the battle is for the souls of man. Now the battle is this. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against spiritual principalities. Our fight is the, fi- the good fight of faith, to keep our faith, to keep the word in our heart um, every single day, to see fruitfulness from that word, so that we may see others turn from darkness and come into light into the kingdom of God. That's our battle. That's what it is today. It is not like other people or other religions who actually their leaders, they came and they said, no, war is what we should do. War is right. War is good. War against your enemy. So we see that that was for a time. But by the time Jesus came, he actually went against this. And he said to us that, The war, he showed us that the war is against sin. The war is against people who don't believe in God. And that we fight in a completely different way. We fight it with light and life, prayer and a sincerity and also an urgency to see people come into the kingdom of God. Okay, so for today, I am finished. We are going to next week go into a difficult, some of the difficult challenges we face sometimes when we read scriptures about things like the flood, where it seems like judgment of God is just like now in a moment, and we're going to look at all of those. I trust and believe that this has helped you and set you up for more success um, in understanding who God is. And I hope that you will take a few minutes just after listening to this even to just quietly sit and think, how Does this impact my relationship with God? And how does the reality of what I just heard about the goodness and the nature of of God, how does this impact every area practically of my life, my marriage, my singleness, my children, my um, family at large, my lost friend, my community? How does it impact them when I stand for and radically believe and can explain the goodness of God. How does it impact and transform those areas in my life? So Father, I thank you for the word. I thank you that as we dig deeper into this, that we will actually have a sense in our heart like, could it be that God is that good? Because Father, in that question lies the beauty of the truth of what Jesus came to give us and show us. Yes. God really is that radically good. So thank you, Father, that we can dig into this and discover more. Thank you for open hearts and open ears who are willing to hear and willing to walk and see and walk with you and see who you are. Amen. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.co. And if you're ever in the Duras area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website, www.gracelife.co.